<laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Kevin McGowan from uh, City of Sausalito, Department of Public Works. And we are here at the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory meeting this evening, uh, starting at 6.30. So I think we have first on our agenda, um, we have a call to order. So again, welcome to the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee for the City of Sausalito. This is a regular meeting uh, held on October 23rd, 2023, and will be conducted in person. Yay. We do have telephonic um, participation as well, so I'm excited about that. And um, we have several people in the audience as well. So how, let's try with a call to order. And I'll start with Aaron Roller, who I don't believe is here today. Um, and then Vice Chair Kieran Culligan. Yeah, here. just. Just push the button on your. I will screw this up at least five times. Sweet, but I'm here. sweet. Okay, that sounds great. Jake Bayer, here. Great, wonderful. Jessica Penrod, here. And Regan Fulton, I don't think is here. I'm just looking on my screen. No, I don't see him good. here as well. So we do have a quorum this evening, and as I recall, Warren Wells from MCBC will be joining a little bit late as well. So we'll check for him as he arrives. Um, via computer. All right, our um, second item on the agenda this evening is public comment on items not on the agenda. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. Uh, if you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application or you can fill out a speaker card here in the council chambers. I think we're pretty informal here to begin with, so maybe we don't need that right now. But uh, just raise your hand and uh, just approach the podium. I think that would be the easiest. And then if you're still participating, yeah, the microphone needs to be turned on. So if you're, um, uh, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand via, from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when their time has elapsed. So in front of me, I see the world-renowned Patrick Seidler. Um, so please go ahead and introduce yourself and please proceed. Uh, thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, my name is Patrick Seidler from WTB TAM. Our uh, headquarters are down in Mill Valley. Uh, we run a nonprofit that uh, promotes sustainable mobility. Been doing it for 30 years. We're very happy to be here in Sausalito. Uh, my aunt lived here for 50 years, helped us quite a bit on the Greenway and getting the uh, study done 2010 and got it through uh, all different channels and things down here. And uh, it's great to see Kevin here. Uh, I haven't, this is the first time I've seen him uh, and done a Sausalito. What I want to do is just talk a couple minutes about some of the things going on around you that you should be aware of, like gravitational pulls, bodies. So um, Caltrans is looking at uh, a project on uh, Tiburon Boulevard that's going to be built in 2026. I think it'll be the largest bicycle project in the history of Mint County built at one time. And they're going to build class four bike lanes from the interchange all the way to the Blackies pasture. They'll include two-way class fours, one, uh, uh, class one bike paths, and it will finally connect the vision that was set out 50 years ago from um, downtown uh, Mill Valley, for people to get to downtown Mill Valley, to downtown Tiburon. How does that impact you? Well, Sausalito now have, would then have in 2026 another 
place for people to ride their bicycles coming from the city to go to a different ferry terminal and then go to um, go back to San Francisco. In addition, SMART has five projects in uh, Marin County that they're bringing to shovel-ready status, um, primarily in San Rafael and Novato. So that's going to basically complete the greenway when those are built. And so what you're looking at, kind of looking at the crystal ball in the future, is a lot of connectivity and a lot of people being able to ride their bicycles, not just to Sausalito and stopping, but to really ride around the area and for Sausalito to be part of the overall integrated multimodal system. And so we just want to bring that to your attention as you're evaluating projects and looking into the future in the crystal ball is to keep those uh, things in mind, those gravitational forces pulling at you. Thank you. Patrick, thank you. Super important context, you know, for the specifics of how things may, how the flows may change around here, but also I think in terms of inspiration, in terms of what can be done, because a lot has changed. And I know on my commute to the city, a lot has changed in the last couple of years. So, Mr. Vice Chair, I don't see anybody else uh, raising their hand for public comment. And um, all right, I think we can move to approval of minutes. Sounds good. Um, before we move on to the next item, I, I think I wouldn't mind asking the committee if we can move up item five, uh, the last one on the list, which is um, under project updates, Bridgeway Safety Study, Napa Street to Johnson Street. If we can move that up just as the first item of item five, that would probably help for our consultant to uh, make their presentation, which is uh, we're all being kind of waiting for. Okay, and just to make sure you, you want to, we could, because we could also do that after approval of the minutes and then do the Bay Trail. Your, your choice, whatever you do. All right, let, let's do grant priorities, bridge Bay Trail alignment, then we will proceed to Bridgeway Safety Study, then the agenda as documented. That sounds great. Unless there's any objections from my colleagues. Great, great thank you. Um, we have approval of minutes is our next item, item three. And um, do I move to approve? Yes. Can I second that? That's great. All right, let's call roll. Um, Vice Chair Kieran Culligan? Yes. Jessica Penrod? Yes. Jake Bayer? Yes. Great, that matter, that matter carries. So our next item is item four, discussion item for the grant priorities and Bay Trail alignment. I'm not sure how you would like to proceed with that, but um, I did pull a couple things up off of our website, not our website, but uh, just to kind of give us some graphics. So give me one sec here. Um, sure. And Kevin, maybe screen. while you're pulling that up, I just want to note that our MCVC liaison, Warren Wells, is not able to make it tonight, but we're exercising the just cause provision for taking care of a family member such that he's a co-host and interactive with us tonight. That sounds great. And I think Warren has joined us as well. So um, here's just a graphic for us. And this happens to be... Uh, the, uh, the main bikeway or part of the Bay Trails, it goes through the city of Sausalito. And I think we wanted to talk a bit about, or at least your committee wanted to talk a bit about Johnson Street to Napa, as well as Harbor to Gate 6. So I can also stop sharing my screen if somebody else wants to make this presentation. That's great. Um, I'm going to start by thanking you and then invite the team back up to the podium to make some comments about the next and one also touching on those changes environment and the changes in the management. Um, so Kevin, thank you for this presentation. Kind of two pages to complement that. Hey, Kieran, your mic is not on. Oh, that was the first time, so I get four more. Yeah, that, that uh, last thing we couldn't hear. 
on the on Zoom. Sorry about that. Hey, sorry about that. So I will just put up a page or two to complement what Kevin shared. And then I think for this topic item, um, in addition to discussion, I think having Mr. Seidler come back and talk about the Bay Trail alignment, I think the opportunity that to that that, that creates for Sausalito, but really for all users, and also for Warren Wells to comment on what we're seeing in terms of the changing grant landscape, uh, even materially different from what we saw last year in terms of what's going to be competitive for some of the major sources of funding. Um, so to help kick off that discussion, I just want a reminder. One thing that I update roughly twice a year is P topics, projects that we discuss amongst PBAC across the range of project maturities. Like some of them are just ideas. Some of them are now actually complete. Um, where are things moving, right? Are they staying the same? Are they moving forward? Are they moving backwards? And we've had things like Northridge Stairs move back thing into complete. We're seeing some progress on the Ferry Land side, Bridgeway Waterfront. We'll hear about some of these topics tonight. And what we find is a lot of these things, especially in the idea phase, um, the Napa Roundabout, like those are significant dollar items. They are not going to be, I think we can appreciate they're not fundable out of the city's general plan um, or even our capital budgets. So what are the external sources of funding that it can help us bring some of these things to reality. And so I think uh, Kevin rightly flagged Harbor to gate six, what we call segment six as a big opportunity to essentially extend the existing multi-use path and come down. Uh, what, what we're going to hear more about later tonight in another agenda item about the section between Bridgeway, the Bridgeway between Napa and Johnson and the, the roundabout at Napa is another, it feels like it could be a great opportunity. Um, and then the greenway generally. So it's just segments zero to five um, right now at least you know, historically, that was shown as complete Bay Trail. And so it was not open for certain types of grant funding. Um, and that has a potential to change. And so we'd like to hear about that from Mr. Seidler. So um, I think those those two that you put up there, Kevin, are high on my mind. I would add the, the Greenway generally, um, which maybe I'll hand it over to Patrick Seidler. If you have any comments you wanted to add about where that stands around Bay Trail, alignment? If the, is there anything you need from the city, from PBAC, from Kevin, from others to essentially make that funding opportunity or the ability for us to apply for funds a reality? Okay. Thank you very much. Um, so Warren, you're, you're, you can hear me, right? So I'm just thinking it might be good to let Warren come in because Warren's got, he and um, Matthew have some of the details on the, on the Bay Trail issues. I'll give you a little bit of background. So in, tw in 1998, Ken Eichstadt, who used to now works at the city of Petaluma in the Department of Public Works, he worked really hard to get um, Sausalito, the, the Bay Trail through Sausalito. And they completed most of it, you know, and that's the class two lanes that are through there. But the Bay Trails changed rather much and they want a full, complete, safe and separate accommodation around the Bay, not just class twos. And class twos really don't qualify anymore. Um, WTB TAM, I think the MCBC was involved with it as well, uh, were uh, writing the Bay Trail, the MTC, Metropolitan Transportation Commission is in charge of the Bay Trail. Uh, we were uh, explaining to them how important it was that the Bay Trail segments through Sausalito did not meet their current criteria for pathways. Um, the other part of it, which was really exciting uh, when it comes to the uh, financial side, was that um, there was $150 million in Regional Measure 3 for completion of the Bay Trail. And so they went into a, a, <clears throat> a process 
that ranked all of the Bay Trail segments to get completed around the Bay Area. And it was at that time they kind of looked at Sausalito real closely and said, you know, those class twos really aren't the Bay Trail. That's a class two bike route through Sausalito that's not even complete. And so they went with what's called, we call the North-South Greenway. There was a 2010-2011 study. Mr. Parisi was actually involved in that and did a lot of the work on it. That was funded by the Non-Motorized Transportation Pilot Program, which Marin County was a recipient, one of four around the United States. And we worked for about two years to do the, the alignment. I think you, you may have seen some of those alignments. It's a study that if you don't have a copy of it, we could get it for you. But I know that we've met with some of you and you, you received it. And that's when I told you that my aunt, uh, who, who you know, passed a few years ago, she was very instrumental in getting that passed through Sausalito and getting all the parties involved for it. So that was, that was very exciting. It always brings back some good memories for me to, to remember that. And so um, then uh, the Bay Trail came out and Warren and Matthew and I went to a meeting in San Francisco and they released their rankings. It was just the first part. So it's not, they're not putting out money yet. They're just thinking about where, how do we rank the segments around the Bay? You know, how do we rank them? And um, Sausalito ranked the, third, the 20th highest in the Bay Area. And they ranked number three in Marin County, only behind two segments in the canal. So um, it, it's extremely high ranking and it's very exciting and it's the entire pathway. So it's from the ferry terminal to Gate 6 Road is what they're looking at and saying, that's the 20th ranked project in the Bay Area. And these guys are the right people to be hanging out with because they have $150 million. And so when it comes to funding, and Warren might know a little bit more about this than me, but I'm not sure with Bay Trail whether there's a local match involved or not. It may be that there, it's a complete grant. We, we'll, we'll dig into that for you and follow up with Kevin and let him know about that. And, uh, and we have- I'm happy to jump in, Patrick. Say it again, Okay. I'm happy to jump in if you'd like me to. <laughs> I'm the, the voice of God here. Um, sorry, did you- I, are you done, Patrick? Oh yeah, I was about to set off, but if you, if you, whatever you want me to do, Warren, I'll do. You want me to sit down? No, 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 no please finish. Okay. <laughs> and Patrick, you should want you to stay there in the discussion, and then we can. All right. Okay. So Warren, go ahead. Go it's ahead, up. Warren. I think you got to unmute yourself. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, sorry, there might be some uh, hooting for my daughter in the background. Um, yeah, Patrick nailed a bunch of it already. So again, they like in terms of you know, programs that can fund this segment of Bay Trail. Bay Trail now considers, as Patrick said, the segment from the ferry terminal to Gate 6 Road to be incomplete, to not be yet complete Bay Trail. And there is a grant program funded through RM3 that is $150 million for closing Bay Trail gaps to bridges and transit. So especially considering this is the um, connection to the ferry terminal. Uh, and also, I think, you know, has, you know, connects to Marin City. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a fairly competitive project. And, and Patrick, you know, I'm sorry, uh, nailed everything else, saying it's the third highest ranked project in the county of Marin. Um, so that grant program, the, the guidelines have not been written. So on that on that point of funding, Patrick, we don't yet know that. They're expecting to release um, guidelines for that program sometime early next year. And they want, they're expecting to have the funding like the application deadlines be lined up with this next cycle of the ATP, the active transportation program. 
and I want to touch on that a little bit briefly, because this cycle of the ATP, unfortunately, unlike last year when we were in a budget surplus, this year is going to be a lot tighter. So it's going to be very challenging for cities that do not have equity party communities in them to get ATP money, uh, at least at this uh, yeah. Um, and so this this Batrail grant program will be particularly important. Also, I just wanted to flag there was another grant program, the Safe Streets and Roads for All SS4A. It's federal money. Um, this is a grant program that will be um, something that we can apply for in Sausalito um, once our local road safety plan is is finished, because that does include a Vision Zero commitment once that's passed by council. Um, and given that we know that this corridor, especially the Southern corridor, the Napa to Johnson segment is a high injury corridor, um, that should be a, a fairly competitive source of funding um, or should be a fairly competitive project for that source of funding, the SSRA. Uh, I'll stop there. Okay, you know what, what I might add to that, Warren, is uh... Uh, the Marin County Bike Coalition and WTB TAM have also been working with uh, Supervisor Moulton Peters, and um, with uh, and communicating directly with the MPC, as well as some City Council members and Kevin and the uh, DPW about this process. It would probably, you know, Kevin was in San Rafael, and there was a segment from Anderson to Second that was not part of the Bay Trail, and they wanted it to be part of the Bay Trail, and so um, uh, Bill Guerin got him to send a letter. Uh, actually, the DPW had to send a letter that <clears throat> lets the Bay Trail folks know that you're welcoming, welcoming, welcoming them in to grant you money. And so uh, that would probably be something to, you know, really take up with the city council. I think it would be a really good move. And um, I'm just trying to think, anything else, Warren, that you can think of that, uh, you know, getting the, you know, making sure that everybody knows about it, city manager, city council, and making sure that, you, you know, we see that there's an opportunity to get money invested in our neighborhood and then complete to those other projects. Because all of a sudden, you know, you can get up to, you guys have seen the class fours in East Blythdale. And so there'll be class fours all the way down to Blackie's Pasture, be able to ride all the way downtown Mill Valley or uh, Tiburon. And so there's a lot of really good things that are coming along. And we want to see Sausalito out in front on this one. You know, we really want to see you guys grab the baton and run with it. Warren? I think you covered it, Patrick. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, Patrick, this is, I love good news. This is good news. Thank you. It's really exciting. Anything, can you just confirm that the alignment of the Bay Trail, like that's set, like it, we're now kind of open for business in terms of seeking money there, or is there anything further required? You know, I might uh, ask Warren about that one more. My, my sense is that they looked at that 2010, 2011 study and basically used that as their documented departure or their alignment of departure is what they're they're looking at warren uh, anything on that um i i can't really speak in terms of you know like um i make some i'm sure exactly the question right um kieran or commissioner yeah Kieran. Yeah, like are you are you asking sir go ahead yeah, the question was, you know, several months back, we were thinking, hey, do we need a city council ordinance to state something that then helps Bay Trail justify the alignment? Yeah, yeah. That so that was kind of when they were saying, when they were saying, when Bay Trail was saying that what you have now here in Saucedo is complete Bay Trail, we're done, we don't need to do anything else. It was kind of it was the suggestion of some people, myself as an advocate, saying, hey, let's 
you know, also get us also ask the council to say, well, we want a long term alignment of Bay Trail that aligns with that 2010, um, that 2010 gate six ferry to gate six study. Now that they are now that Bay Trail is considering um, all of Bridgeway essentially to be incomplete Bay Trail, I think that kind of like opens us up to say, okay, hey, like let's let we can apply for grants to improve to to close this gap, and there's going to be some flexibility about exactly how to do that. Okay, and, and Warren, what do you think about the city writing a letter saying that they accept the alignment that? Uh, the Bay Trails identified. Well, the, I mean, what the Bay Trail has currently in in their on, like, if you look at their their GIS map, it's just Bridgeway, kind of like you know, it's Bridgeway all the way up. It, they they didn't. It's not like their new uh, GIS shows it going through, you know, going following the path of that 2010 study. It just shows Bridgeway. Okay, so it might be a good idea then to get the city council or somebody from the city to write him a letter. I would have to bring it to council anyway. All right. Okay. And I think, you know, Kevin, you were with CNRFL when that, you know, when Bill did that, Bill Guerin did that. And that actually helped draw money toward it and helped draw money from the MPC to the to the area, not only the pathway from Anderson to Second, but in the area. To add a little more context to, I know that Mr. Parisi has been working on something with um, TAM and to uh, to have a, what do they call it, a zero, um, I have to look at my notes again, but uh, a vision zero statement for each city as well. So once that is kind of finalized, I'm anticipating bringing that to the city of Sausalito as well. That's great. Anything else? No, thank you. I mean, this was a lot of behind the scenes uh, work, so we really deeply appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. And thank you guys for all you do. Thank you, Kevin. Thank, thank you. A couple other things on the same subject. You know, the alignment for uh, basically the Bay Trail down to the ferry terminal. There is one section that that is a little bit, I wouldn't say suspect, but where to go when you go from harbor to Napa. Do you go up over the hill or do you follow down near the Bay Model to go through that way? And that might need to be re-examined at some point in time. And it may come up on another item I think we have this evening, which is um, future agenda items. So I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that too. Great, good topic. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, maybe one last one before we close this would be either for my committee members or for Kevin. It feels like this would be a great tight five minutes to bring to city council to make them aware of this opportunity. Like, do you think that's a good way to go about it? Should we just do his public comment? Any opinions or thoughts? I guess I would just say that if they're not deeply aware that this is an opportunity, it would be worth bringing to them for sure. But if it's also been something that's been. Well, to add to that comment too, um, we are supposed to have a representative from the city council join us at these meetings and we haven't had one in quite some time. So I have reminded my city manager that we do need somebody from city council to join us on these meetings. And I was hoping to have somebody here tonight because I met with one of our city council members who was a little bit too busy this evening. But um, I think it's a good idea to bring up the letter that Patrick's recommending. And at that point in time, you folks, if you want to join and make public comment to the to the city council, that would be the great time to do so. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Let's do it. Okay. All right, Patrick, Warren, thank you so much for everything for that update and the work that went behind it. And I think we can move on to our next item.
Do we have any public comment on this specific item? Does anyone from the public want to uh, to uh, voice an opinion on this? And I don't see anybody on my screen or in the audience. So thank you very much, Warren and Patrick, for being here. And um, it's a good subject. I hear that ATP funding, we'd like to apply for more than just uh, bicycle infrastructure. We'd like to apply for many other things, but one step at a time. All right. I think we're done with item four on our agenda. Item five, if it's all right with the committee, I wouldn't mind moving up the Bridgeway Safety Study, Napa Street to Johnson Street, and introduced Jen Schreiber from Parametrics and David Parisi from, from uh, Parametrics as well. Kevin, maybe one opening remark on this one as, as they're walking up. I actually just today, two hours ago, got an email about a Sausalito Cruising Club member, Bakshi Bar court, court legend, Randy Bonney, who was hit at Pine and Bridgeway mm. in this exact segment on Thursday night um, by a motorcycle, hit and run, no not person not to be found, shattered clavicle, six broken ribs, multiple breaks to his pelvic bone. This is a senior citizen. Uh, so when we think about why this work matters, like why we're here on a Monday night, like why we pour time into things that sometimes feel like they take too long or don't happen soon enough, like this is why it matters so that we don't have to read these types of stories. We don't have to see our community members hurt. Uh, there's tons of opportunity here. And so all the more reason that I'm excited to hear about from Jen and from David tonight. Well, our heartfelt um, support goes out to that person and um, we're sorry that occurred. Thanks, David. Thanks for being here. Uh, you're welcome. And um, we're happy to be here tonight. I'm joined by Jen Schreiber, transportation planner uh, with Parametrics. I'm David Parisi, uh, principal consultant with Parametrics. I'm going to uh, introduce the study and Jen's going to provide some background. And then we're going to discuss some of the alternatives uh, that we've come up with based on the input from uh, this group and others. Uh, because as you know, we've been here before to talk about some of the opportunities and constraints on the Bridgeway corridor. Jen's gonna run the show and um, next slide, please, Jen. So we're gonna cover what we know about existing conditions and things are evolving. There's been a lot of crashes, uh, Kiernan, as you, as you mentioned, uh, along the quarter, we're gonna talk about that, as well as the dimensions and some of the uh, physical conditions on Bridgeway uh, between Napa and Johnson. And in fact, we, we're gonna throw a little bonus in. We, we're gonna go down the street a little bit further because uh, we have some other ideas as well. Um, we're gonna introduce some ideas in, a, in a, what we call an improvements toolkit whole bunch of different types of measures that could be applied either all at once or incrementally over time. Uh, speaking over time, we've come up with a potential way to phase improvements, uh, three phases and maybe even a potential long-term phase. Again, things could be phased or, or some of these phases could be combined. Uh, we did look at a couple areas of focus, primarily at the Napa intersection, which has been the site of uh, a number of uh, bicycle and pedestrian collisions as well as uh, Bridgeway between Spring and Napa. And then finally, we'll wrap up with some recommendations. Next slide, please. So again, our purpose was really to develop uh, some short-term recommendations for the corridor, looking between the curbs for the most part, but we wanted to also provide some ideas for some longer term, some longer range ideas. So uh, you are gonna see some things that uh, more apply to what you were previously talking about with the Bay Trail. 
when you look at a type of uh, protected full type of design. So we're looking at that as a longer range idea as well. Next slide. And Jen, you want to take over here from the process and, and walk it through and I'll introduce the uh, alternatives. Yeah, sounds good. So a brief overview of the process that we took. Uh, we started with a, an assessment of baseline conditions. So we used a variety of sources to really gain a thorough understanding of what was going on on the ground. And this included things like roadway characteristics, uh, collisions, and, and so on. Um, next, we went to the concept development phase. So we started out by developing a toolkit of potential improvement measures uh, that would improve multimodal safety. And then we combined these measures into potential short and long-term concepts. Um, and these, um, as David mentioned, were developed with a phased approach in mind. Uh, next up was outreach. And this was really something that we um, we incorporated throughout the process. Uh, we sought feed feedback from the PBAC on two separate occasions uh, to gain insight not only into the baseline conditions, but also to solicit input to let us refine the concepts um, and ultimately lead to the recommendations. Uh, and that leads us to the recommendations themselves. So we developed short and long-term recommendations to improve safety along Bridgeway, um, just as a result of all of these other steps here. So some background on the corridor, um, I'm sure all of you are very familiar with it, um, but Bridgeway is a key road linking San Francisco to Marin County. Uh, it's critical for commuting and also really important for a as a recreational route for users of all transportation modes and sees high volumes of vehicles, bicycles, and pedestrians, particularly in the summer. Um, and cyclists really range in skill, comfort level, and knowledge, everything from the, you know, pro recreational cyclist who's out there every day to tourists who are you know uncomfortable on bikes or may not be as familiar with the area um, as has already been mentioned this is part of the san francisco bay trail and it's also been identified for improvement in studies in several city plans um, including the general plan and the bicycle and pedestrian plan As for existing conditions, um, Bridgeway has is really characterized by wide, poorly defined lanes um, that tend to encourage speeding from drivers. So current lanes are anywhere from 11 to 14 feet in width. And currently uh, they use the, these bots dots, so these dots that you're seeing in the photo here um, to delineate the travel lanes. But at this point they're pretty faded um, and they don't really provide adequate lane delineation. The corridor has long, dense, and redundant cross, uh, crosswalks. Uh, most of the intersections are um, unsignalized with the exception of Johnson. And vehicles parked too close to the crosswalks can create visibility issues for folks crossing the street. Uh, the pedestrian crossing at Napa Street is particularly challenging, even though this intersection does have a flashing beacon. Um, but on the plus side, the sidewalk network in the corridor is complete. Um, intersections generally have ADA accessible ramps and some have bulb outs as well. In terms of bike infrastructure, there is a lack of continuous northbound bicycle lanes from Johnson Street to Litho Street. Um, and as a result of this, some cyclists tend to use the private parking lot on the northbound side of the street or that narrow multi-use path there. And then um, in terms of parking, there are 56 total parking spaces from Napa Street to Johnson Street. As part of our uh, baseline conditions, we did look at collisions. So we analyzed collisions from 2017 to 2021, which is the, um, the most 
um, most recent five years of complete finalized data from the Switters database, uh, there were 38 collisions during this time period along this corridor, uh, and that includes two severe injuries, one a cyclist and one a pedestrian, um, and zero fatalities. Um, as you can see in this chart on the left here, uh, vehicles made up 50% of the collisions, while um, vehicles only, I should say, while the other 50% um, involved cyclists or pedestrians, and in most cases, um, those crashes did involve vehicles as well. Um, cyclists and pedestrians, while they were involved in approximately half of collisions, they made up 71% uh, of collisions that, in, that led to an injury, um, as well as both of the severe injuries along the corridor. As you can see in the chart on the right here, um, improper turning led to over a quarter of the crashes on the corridor. Um, about one in five crashes were caused by unsafe speeds, and then about one in 10 were caused by pedestrian right-of-way violations. Um, so the corridor and a number of its intersections are included in Marin County's high injury network, um, both in the 2018 systemic safety analysis report, as well as the current uh, local road safety plan that's in development. This slide just shows um, a map of where these crashes are happening. So uh, um, symbolizing them by the modes involved as well as the severity um, starting at Napa Street and the top left here and then going all the way down to Johnson on the bottom right. Um, and you can see that there's really a high frequency of crashes, especially bike um, and pedestrian crashes at Napa Street, while Locust, Pine and the Johnson Street intersections also have a lot of crashes as well. Uh, the two severe injury crashes occurred at, at the intersections with Napa and Locust, and uh, that one collision that involved a cyclist and a pedestrian was located at Pine Street. It's interesting to note that over half of the at-fault parties were traveling south at the time of the collision. Um, while, you know, owing to this being a north-south um, roadway, most of the remainder were traveling north. Uh, southbound crashes are particularly located around uh, the Napa Street intersection, as well as the intersection with Locust and Pine. Uh, there's also a number of southbound crashes that occurred along the road segment itself, so outside of the intersections between Pine and Locust Street. Uh, a number of at-fault parties were traveling north at Napa, and a few were located at Letho and Locust. And then Johnson Street was actually the only intersection where collisions occurred from at-fault parties that were traveling in all directions. So once we completed our analysis, um, as I had said, we developed a toolkit of improvements that could be used uh, for the improvement concepts. And everything that you see on these next couple slides were eventually folded into um, concepts that were developed. Um, everything on this slide has a high ease of implementation, meaning that it's relatively um, um, cost-effective, mostly involving paint, not really a heavy lift. Um, and I'll just go over these briefly. Um, so daylighting would involve um, usually painting red curbs, so um, prohibiting parking within certain distances of intersections or crosswalks. And this is really in line um, with the new California Assembly Bill 413, which just passed, which mandates daylighting uh, 20 feet from marked and unmarked crosswalks on the approach side, as well as 15 feet from crosswalks with bulb outs. And this is going to go fully into effect in 2025. Um, up next, we have roadway rechannelizing. So this would involve getting rid of those faded bot dots um, and replacing those with striping to really um, better delineate the travel lanes. Um, and this 
would prevent driver confusion and also help with traffic calming. High visibility crosswalks would be upgrading the current crosswalks to make them um, high visibility so that uh, pedestrians would be more easily spotted um, by drivers. And then parking modifications involves um, taking those spots with red curbs along the northbound side of Bridgeway um, and getting rid of that red curb. So um, getting a few parking spaces back in that way. Crosswalk consolidation, which we'll talk more about um, in the phased improvements would involve um, getting rid of some of the redundant crosswalks in order to focus on the remaining crosswalks to um, do pedestrian improvements. And then bike boxes are those green boxes at the signalized intersections to allow cyclists to get out in front of the cars during the red lights. So these, um, these improvements are, are a slightly heavier lift. Um, I would say that the, the first five are classified as medium ease of implementation. They're a little bit more costly. They involve a little bit more um, infrastructure considerations. And then uh, the class four cycle track, uh, which we'll get to at the end here, um, is characterized as low ease of implementation. Um, so it's even heavier list than the others. Uh, first up, we have pedestrian refuge islands. So putting those medians in the middle of the roadway to help pedestrians crossing the street, enabling them to um, essentially cross one direction of traffic at, at a time and shortening those crossings. Um, RRFBs, like the one that's currently at Napa, um, are flashing beacons that would alert drivers of pedestrians in the crosswalk to make them more visible. Um, and bulb outs also help make pedestrians more visible by extending the curb into the street and shortening crossings. Stamped asphalt would involve um, stamping a pattern into the, the middle of the street, so along the median, to better delineate the roadway and to help with traffic calming. Um, and that also has some um, nice aesthetic value as well. And then we move on to our bike treatment. So class two bicycle lanes would be adding um, bicycle lanes with paint only, uh, buffered or non-buffered. And then class four would be a separate facility uh, that's physically separated from the lane of travel. Um, so as I mentioned, all of these were um, sort of gathered and then um, uh, bundled together into these phased improvements uh, that David will elaborate on. So David, back to you. Thanks, Jen. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking at the potential for phasing, some implementation. Uh, we'll show you three phases. Some of these could be combined. One and two could be combined. Two and three could be combined. Different elements can be mixed and matched. Um, as Jen mentioned, we noticed, and I hadn't really noticed this for two decades, <laughs> that the lanes just aren't that well uh, demarcated de out there. Uh, they are bot stots. Uh, there's really long left turn lanes. And it dawned upon us when we're observing traffic and bikes and pedestrians is that it's, it's kind of it looks like a big three lane wide street without lane markings, right? Uh, so we thought one great step would be to put some, some, some paint in there, some thermoplastic, and really define these lanes. Furthermore, some of the left turn lanes go an entire block line, long. Perhaps some of those could be shortened up because at any time there's only two or three cars maximum making some of the left turns. So there may be ways to define the median. Um, well, we're so the phase one and core improvements would simply be to restripe the street, shorten up those left turn lanes, uh, do the daylighting that Jen had mentioned, because there are some locations where cars can park right up to the crosswalks. 
there would be a net loss of just four parking spaces of the 5556 on the street. Um, also provide some better mark crosswalks and uh, yield lines and uh, provide just better roadway markings uh, for the cyclists as well. One thing I do want to note is that between Princess and Gate 6, there's just two segments of Bridgeway that lack Class 2 bike lanes. One of those is three blocks in the northbound direction along what we're looking at tonight. And the other one is um, between Spring and Napa in the southbound direction, which we'll get to momentarily. So again, very simple, straightforward improvements with very minor uh, impacts. Next slide, please. We also... Um, are showing these in plan view, three blocks on top, three blocks on the bottom. Uh, and you can see those uh, with each of the uh, numbered um, index points here where the street itself would be restriped. Some of the lanes could be shortened up, particularly some of the left turn lanes to start really delineating where those medians are, which we think would provide better refuge for pedestrians as well. Um, you're seeing the bike box, as Jen mentioned, at Johnson Street to provide uh, upfront ways for the cyclist to, to take advantage of when there's a red light, get out ahead of traffic, particularly in a northbound direction where there are no bike lanes coming out of that signal. Um, and you're seeing other uh, improvements as well. By the way, some of the parking that would be removed would be replaced, as Jen mentioned earlier, with by taking some of those red zones out of the big X's. Uh, through them on the east side and reallocating that. There'd be costs with that because there are meters out there. Um, so there'd be some uh, work that would need to be done uh, there as well. But generally, this is a plan that could be pretty simply uh, implemented. We think it would provide some safety improvements for, for all users along the street. So we're calling these the core improvements or phase one. Next slide, please. Building on this, we also started realizing there's a lot of crosswalks out here. It's like 12 or 13 uncontrolled crosswalks in six blocks. Um, there's a lot. And, and some of these crosswalks go through across three lanes, including a left turn lane. And we thought, hmm, looking at the uh, pedestrian patterns and the fact that on the east side, there are some locations where there are no cross streets, perhaps there can be some consolidation of these crosswalks. So there's just one, maybe two at each intersection. Because we think by that, by doing that, we can avoid some of the potential conflicts with left turns, provide two-stage crossings now or eventually when you'll see the phase three uh, improvements and provide better signing. Uh, because I know our office uh, is here in Sausalito. I know walking and trying to cross this street, a lot of motorists just don't yield. It's, it's, it's incredible. So if we provide maybe fewer locations with better signage and better cues, we'll provi perhaps provide uh, better compliance with yielding. We also think that um, if there is some crosswalk consolidation, the rectangular rapid flashing beacons, instead of at 12 locations, they could be just at, at half the locations. Um, they could be implemented along with refuge islands so that every single crossing would have a two-stage crossing instead of a one stage where you have to look across uh, both streams of traffic. And then finally, we'll show you this idea of using stamped asphalt to really divide the road and make it almost look like a boulevard and try to calm traffic a little bit more while at the same time enabling emergency vehicles uh, to come through and dr drive on top of that if necessary. So next slide, please, Jen. So here you go, this is what we're calling the phase two improvements. You'll see all the phase one improvements already included within this, so this is just in addition to. And from left to right, what you are seeing is um, 
Well, first off, I'd, I would just notice all the, uh, the crosswalks have been consolidated in this plan to one per uncontrolled location, still two at Johnson, but one everywhere else. And it just so happens how the one-way streets work out on the west side is that there's actually a rhyme to this and that you can provide these um, and, and provide uh, two-stage crossings without left turn lanes. Because for instance, uh, I can't read what intersect B Street, uh, where number 13 is, it's one-way eastbound. So you don't need a left turn lane into it, right? So it, can make, it makes sense where to put that refuge area on the street. And there was, uh, we, we determined that pattern just looking at this, that there's a possibility of doing that all up and down uh, the street. There'd be one left turn that we'd need to eliminate and that'd be over by uh, number 17. What street is that? You guys read that, is that Locust? Perhaps, or perhaps a left turn is allowed there that to be determined. But uh, looking at this plan, this shows again, shortened left turn pockets, potentially stamped median islands, which would provide some differentiation. It also is showing refuge islands for pedestrians to be able to cross in two stages, rectangular rapid flash and beacons at each of those locations. Um, and you're also seeing again, again, the stage one improvements, which include the daylighting and uh, crosswalk enhancements and, and bike boxes. So this is um, something we think is, uh, could, could make a big difference for the street. I do wanna know stage one and two do not show a northbound bikeway being completed within here, okay? Each of these is continuing to show traffic lanes in each direction, plus the left turns, which are we believe are pretty important looking at the traffic volumes and the ability for emergency vehicular access to the area. Okay. The third phase, again, this could be added to the second phase or it could be all done all at the same time. This would complete that gap as a class two bike lane in the northbound direction the gap that's missing today. Um, to do that, however, and retain parking on the um, west side of the roadway and the two and the left turn lane, this would require removal of almost all the parking spaces on the east side of the road, about half of the parking that's out there today. So 28 of the 55 parking spaces. Um, this, is what it this is what it could look like. Next slide. And again, this builds upon uh, phase two. And what you can, what's interesting to us is that all these can be implemented with the same alignment of the lanes in the median islands and the refuge islands. So if there's a decision to do it in three different stages, it just, each stage builds upon each other. It's not like you'd have to relocate or shift where the refuge islands would go. But as you can see on the uh, east side of the street, we're showing all red just to symbolize uh, that parking would no longer be allowed over on that side of the street. And what you get here, again, is everything, as I mentioned before, with uh, this would complete the northbound bikeway from Princess all the way to Gate 6 as a Class 2 facility. Okay. We heard from the BPAC, from you guys and, and others. Okay, what about some long-term ideas? Those are great, but they still don't maybe meet our long-term vision for a separated two-way cycle track. So we did take a look at that. Um, and what we, we took a look at a, a raised two-way cycle track that meets current cycle track design standards, which would include a, a walkway along one side of it, along the east side, a two-way bikeway, and then separation from uh, the roadway itself. And it, it could look something like this. 
And what we determined that that, um, you know, there's, there's different ways to slice this, but no matter what, we'd have to move the curb. So the curb that's on the east side of the road would have to move about five feet to the west to make this, to meet the standards, okay? And that's where, as Jen was mentioning, this is a little bit of a heavier lift. Uh, and what that also means is that something has to give. And you'll see in the next slide, uh, we, like I mentioned, it would require full reconstruction of the curb up to about five feet. Um, and one option would be just to, to eliminate parking uh, entirely uh, on that whole east side of the street, again, the 28 parking spaces, and move the curb, right? So next slide shows some different options that we looked at just because we said, geez, is there a better way to do this? And um, we looked at all the dimensions. The street right away is about 80 feet from outside in the eastern side to the western side. And we looked at all the different types of dimensions uh, that would be available there. You can see that if you did it with option one, with no bike lanes, no, so no class two bike lanes, right? Meaning that we'd expect or hope that most of the cyclists would be using a, a new two-way bikeway on the east side of the road, or they'd share the lane with traffic. And even under that scheme, we'd still need to, uh, to move the curb five feet. Number two is what we're showing in that image. Number three could be done. Again, uh, we'd have to move the, move the curb, but this could be done without a, a two-way left turn lane, but we think that we don't advise that just because of the traffic levels out here, number of left turns, emergency vehicular access. And then I think maybe the one of, one of you may have mentioned this before, well, gee, maybe we don't need a northbound bike lane, right? Because a bike cycle track, if it's two-way on the east side, Hopefully the cyclist would either use the road or, or use a cycle track. Well, unfortunately that still doesn't fit because then we just have five feet, we just don't know what to do with, right? It's still, we still have to move that curb no matter what from the Eastern right-of-way line. And we need to have the six feet of a sidewalk, minimum of eight feet of cycle track. It'd be nice to have, have that wider, right? Uh, so maybe if you did that, you could have 10 foot or 12 foot cycle track if you got rid of the northbound bike lane um, and then still some buffer. So there's different ways to look at it, but we see that as a longer term option that, it, that is feasible, but there's some um, cause and effect with that option. Next slide, please. We also looked at a few hotspots. As Jen mentioned, Napa Street has a lot, of, a lot of crash history. We looked at two alternatives. One would be to uh, provide that island as we showed in the other options and some curb bulbs and do some things like that as shown here, realign the crosswalks. We think this could help quite a bit by providing the refuge island across the street. It doesn't exist there today. And then of course, we also looked at the next option, which is a roundabout. Karen, I think you mentioned earlier something about a roundabout at this intersection and its potential. During the systemic safety analysis report we did a few years ago, the idea of a roundabout here would score very well from a uh, standpoint of the Highway Safety Improvement Program funding because of the benefit to cost ratio. Uh, as unfortunately, that's because of the number of pedestrians and bicyclists that have been hit and severely injured at this location versus the cost of the improvement. But we still think it would, could be it could qualify uh, for potential funding at this intersection. Next slide, Jen. We also are, are very aware, and we decided to go a little further outside of the, the study area from Easterby to the uh, north 
to, to Napa Street and look at the southbound direction. Uh, on these, uh, these plans, especially phase three and or the long-term option, we could certainly uh, provide that northbound gap closure in the bikeway, but the, the southbound gap is still there from Easter Beat or Napa. And as many of you probably know, that's where two lanes merge down to one, where actually the outside lane is forced to turn right onto Napa Street. And we started taking a look at that as saying, hmm, what can we do there? Uh, and we figured out right away, one option would be to actually merge the two traffic lanes right after they go through the, tra the last traffic signal as you're coming into town. Right after that point, merge the two lanes into one, one lane as soon as possible, and then remove some parking and gain a bike lane that comes all the way up to Napa Street. And um, it would lose about half the parking spaces along that stretch, but there's a way to recoup some of those. And I'll show you that in a second. Next slide. So this diagram is showing um, Easter Bee on the top left. And you can see where the two lanes under our scheme could merge together as soon as practical, meeting design standards into a single lane. There'd be the possibility of providing a buffer bike lane. That's what we're showing here, at least. And then parking along the curb. Um, and as you can see, uh, it certainly would take away some of the confusion up at Napa Street, where there's a lot of weaving, a lot of people honking their horns, a lot of skid marks as well. In, yeah, excuse me. If at Napa Street, a roundabout was installed, instead of what is shown here, about eight parking spaces could be regained because you could bring that parking all the way up uh, to the roundabout. So it's, this is a potential idea, maybe in combination with the roundabout to get that long stretch of missing southbound bike lane back into the system. Next slide, please. So um, our recommendations are to think about potentially implementing improvements in, in a phased approach or all at once. Uh, we think that some of these could be a standalone project if uh, the city decided to go that way. Some of the longer term options do have some pros and cons. They're not simple, but they can certainly be done. There's just some tough decisions that would have to be made. And we just talked about some of the funding that may need that would be needed. Some of the, the phase one stuff would not be that expensive when you get into phase two, phase three, and of course, any longer term options, the costs start going up. Next slide, please. So with that, we're here to answer any questions and take any additional observations you may have. This is amazing, thank you. This is fantastic, thank you. Um, a few questions potentially for Kevin and potentially for yourself. Um, the first of which is, if we go down this phased approach, do we have to get each phase approved by city council or can you get approval for all phases in in one go and just fund them as they come? Uh, with the city of Sausalito, I believe we'd have to go with each phase to the city council. Um, a couple other questions that the cycle track, uh, is there a buffer between, you know, as we, there's been some accidents with e-bikes hitting pedestrians on other, um, bike paths and whatnot. Is there a way to increase safety for e-bikes and pedestrians to be kind of in the same vicinity or, or track sidewalk, if you will, is there any, any separation of that? Yeah, we think so. As we showed you that we, we pretty much showed you the minimum dimensions, even, even under the minimum minimum dimensions, the curb would have to be moved, right? If you want some more space, right, for e-bikes or whatever, um, perhaps 
other decisions have to be made, like, for instance, removing the northbound bike lane, right? I don't think it'd be practical to, to suggest removing parking on the, on the west side of the road. A lot of businesses seem to depend on that. But there are some, there are some options that could be, be considered to get a little bit extra space. Okay. Yeah. No, this is so exciting to see. Thank you. Can I tag off of that actually in the city along the Marina green, there is that raised versus the street bike lanes. Are there studies showing, I mean, other areas as well, like how that is differentiated between e-bikers and more like the regular cyclists and the safety that breaks down from having that, having two bike lanes accessible there. I'd have to ask my friends at the SFMTA on that to, to find out a little bit more on that. Cause that's like the, it's the pedestrian, the two way raised bike lane. And then there is a bike lane on both sides of that road as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Jen, thank you, David. Thank you. Um, sure. I think we've seen some of the facts before, but I think like appreciating to the number of crashes and that southbound direction where there is a bike lane, right? Like just shows you like just having the bike lane doesn't get you all the way there. There's still a lot of considerations for safety. Yeah. And the southbound too, keep in mind, there's more cross streets. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot more turning movements that Jen noted earlier, right? The number one cause of collisions are the, are the turn movements. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like turns, parking spaces, driveways, like mm -hmm. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, and that one's, it's a classic door zone bike mm -hmm. lane. So uh, I definitely see tons of opportunity here to apply a staged approach, but also thinking about that cycle track in the back of my mind of just yeah. like, would I be willing to give up bike lanes to have a proper cycle track that also gives some separation between pedestrians and and bicycles, e-bikes, like, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, cause I'd like to see it. Um, and yeah, I just, I think those b bare minimum bike lane dimensions, just like, it only gets you so far when there's a lot of, uh, people, especially unfamiliar with the area, the way our area is, um, on phase one, any of those parking spaces that are removed or any of those going above and beyond what AB 413 would require, or is that basically kind of changes that are coming anyways? Uh, those are to meet the, the 20 to 25 foot standard. And I will say that under options, you know, one, two, and three, we strive to provide as wide a bike lane as possible. Uh, so it isn't a five footer. Okay, yes. It's just a six foot separated by paint, but we think some of the other improvements could certainly help to slow down traffic and make drivers more aware. Great. Yeah. I mean that even five to six makes a real difference of riding on the white line versus actually being in it. Yeah. Um, is there a quick build version of refuge islands? So like, for example, at B, even in phase one, like, is there something you could drop in there that kind of creates some protection? That's certainly there could be a phase one B, right. It's something yeah. that where some of these are done, done partially, uh, with, uh, raised, you know, uh, delineators or things like that. Although, you know, if there are RFB signs with flashers and, and buttons, we'd want to make sure they're ADA compliant and there's actually a real refuge area. So that's, you know there's a way to get there. Okay. And perhaps that's one way. Did you have anything specific to that one? Um, any left turn? It looks like you looked at some, getting rid of some left turns from Bridgeway onto a side street. What about any left turns we could do with, do away with to get onto Bridgeway, like where it's just low traffic, but it would create even more kind of safety for other users. You know, we didn't really look at that. Uh, if you look at the streets and the network, um, it kind of alternates One's inbound, one's outbound, you have a two-way. Yeah. Um, so we didn't want to really look into changing the traffic patterns. 
because um, it's not just the traffic patterns between Caledonia and Bridgeway. It could also be west of Caledonia. So we're sensitive about that, but that's certainly something that could be could be considered. I just think it's it's probably wouldn't help a, a ton yeah. in some areas. Okay. And I really consolidate and move a lot of traffic down to Napa, for instance, or more traffic to Johnson. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if some of that does change when you have the roundabout of like, well, the easy left is to just go to the roundabout. And so we, would we actually see, maybe we'll see traffic patterns change. That's how we justify the no, removing the left turn at Locust. If it got removed is that drivers could go up to the roundabout and return back. Yeah. Um, really appreciate you expanding your project scope uh, to the North or Northwest, like in thinking about some of these additional pieces. Um that I definitely see that race effect of when there's a merge ahead, it like yeah. every people accelerate to get ahead of the merge. Like, could you move that, have the merge actually be before the traffic light further north versus having it be south of Easterby? We looked at that, and because of the traffic, the traffic lights, um, when you have two lanes coming into traffic light, it actually has the capacity of one traffic lane without a traffic light. So, we need the lights where we have two lanes, yeah. Okay, so at, after that point, we we're showing the merge happening as soon as possible at a 25 mile an hour design speed. So if there's no spring light, it would be different, but because we have that light at spring, you got two lights in a row there. So yeah. Yeah. All right. All right thank you. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't mind adding some comments from a staff perspective as well. Um, just looking at this project and I knew it was very important. So it is on the CIP for some capital uh, construction funding. And we would need to go through the design phase with David bringing this to council and moving forward with the project itself. But the good news is I believe council has set aside some funding for the actual construction. That doesn't include a roundabout. The intent from staff was to um, identify a roundabout as a good alternative, which David and his team have done. And then we would want to pursue some alternative funding such as ATP funding or others in order to fund that specific project. So just wanted to bring that up that staff believes this is a pretty important project and we wanted to make sure that it is on the capital program and uh, we conveyed that to council as well. Thank you. Do you know how much was set aside for this year for CIP? I believe the construction was 740 and there was some allocation for construction management and design in there too. So somewhere around a little less than 800. I don't know if this is the appropriate time or form to chat, but you know, my, and maybe this is for you, Kevin, and from your experience too, David. Uh, my only concern about the phases is I, I imagine this is going to take time and energy, and we might be – are we making our the job harder for ourselves if we split it up rather than trying to you know, shoot what's best for the community, which might be phase three as opposed to just phase one? I don't know if you guys can speak to that. Like, Should we try to – go for exactly what we want rather than work towards it slowly. I, I think that since you are residents of Sausalito, you probably know that anytime you touch parking, it's an issue. So if we can get away with, uh, as, as David suggested, you know, reducing the amount of parking that is removed uh, would be important. And to not fully get rid of everything, let's say on the east side of Bridgeway in that section, getting rid of some of the parking spaces that Jen had suggested for site distance, we have to do that. It's just, it's bad in locations. We need to get rid of this stuff. And then getting rid of the crosswalks, I think that is very important for safety elements, uh, reduce those conflict point, points, and possibly exactly what Jen and David had suggested of 
either putting in some colored concrete or colored asphalt so that it better delineates this entire area. We'd want to also put down either at a minimum, a new micro seal so that those stripes really pop. They really come out. So for those who are driving right now, you can't see too much and that's a problem. So at a minimum, I see us pursuing option one and option two, because there's money set aside. Option three that removes some of the parking on the east side can be problematic. And so we have to chase that down. Yeah. I don't know if you want to add anything. Sorry, sir. Uh, no, I think that's that's a great point. And strategically, uh, if you did phase three, would you ever, how long will a cycle track take, right? If parking is going to be relinquished, when do you want to do it? Yeah, good point. I think phase three is where phase three cycle track and then is up for debate. I feel like the roundabout has a lot more, is going to be a lot more palatable actually. And if there's funding potential is actually something to get in mm -hmm. the works sooner rather than some of those other things. Yeah. I like it all, but right. Thinking realistically of where we go first and where we can find money. Yeah. Um, one more question here there, you know, if you cross locus cross bridgeway through locust there's that public parking area yes. there mm -hmm. i don't did you guys by chance look to see if that could be reconfigured at all to to increase the number of public parking spaces available or is that already maxed out on lot five or is that yeah i guess that's lot five yeah you know that there's different things happening there so one the <laughs> right. the eastern portion of lot five is not owned by the city the western portion is the city's trying to acquire the eastern portion and we haven't gotten there yet so there's different things happening in that same area so that could potentially help us though yeah. if we did acquire it yeah that's a good point yes, it can. okay maybe one last thing i'll throw out there because i'll need all of your help is on phase two with crosswalk consolidation i'm wrapping my head around it and it feels like the right thing to do but i also at the same time you know, know the sadness that I feel when I see like no pedestrians like cross here, like it feels quite anti-pedestrians. It's like, how do we structure that in a way, both from an understanding perspective of why we go that path, like how it actually is better for pedestrians, um, both in terms of kind of the, the design decision, but then also the implementation. Um, because I think we, we don't want the anti-pedestrian sentiment to come across. It's quite the opposite. We really struggle with that one internally, right? Because there's, including the Caledonia intersection, to the uh, to the south, like I said, there's like 13 uncontrolled crosswalks, and we were um, we don't we hate to give up crosswalks, right? Because it's it's where the pedestrians can go, most direct path of travel. But looking at the collision history out here and the origins and destinations, and the fact that on the east side of the road there's uh, several locations that are there are no cross streets, um, and the fact that with consolidation we can get refuge islands at each of the six uncontrolled locations, we thought that'd be a, a a benefit. So I think Warren has a question as well. Go ahead. Laura. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kevin. Um, just a few things. Um, on the the long-term um, two-way bike facility on the east side, um, just in terms of looking at your your the measurements, you were looking at a class four two-way with a sidewalk as opposed to like a a class one shared use path, right? Because the the right. latter of those would have like a, a narrower footprint. I mean, they say like wider is better, but but like the like a class one could go in in most places with maybe a couple like a little bit of widening, just like from my kind of you've looked looked at the at the border much closer than I have. But yeah. um, 
Jen, can you pull up that matrix again? So we are showing a six foot sidewalk and an eight foot cycle track for a total of um, 14 feet. If that was converted to a class one facility, the ideal class one facility is 12 feet in width plus a two foot shoulder on one side and then a five foot or separation on the other side. So it'd be exactly the same, Warren. Okay. So class one at full standard would be the same as a uh, sidewalk plus a cycle track at minimum standard. So that it's the same, same, same width. Okay. Thank you. Um, it would, and would a, but a class one at minimum standard would be narrower than that. Class one, a minimum standard um, is good. Go down two more feet. Cause you could go um, 10 feet plus two foot shoulder plus the separation. So two, you could get two more feet if you go to a minimum standard of a class. Okay. And would that make it like in that situation, would there be, I'm just trying to think of like in terms of value engineering would would there, because it looks like there's most, much of the corridor would be that wide on the, above the curb. I know there are a couple of spots where it's not, would well, you kind of get to? The problem I think with the class one is just if you're, we're bringing all our bikes and peds, primarily on one side of the street without any delineation. I could see some potential for, for collisions, particularly when we talk about e-bikes or, or anything else that's in this. And, and given the volumes you have in this quarter, cool. Um, uh, second thing, I was wondering if there had been any discussion about, um, or any discussion about policy here, and particularly AB 43, the, the speed limit uh, bill passed a couple years ago. Um, it's my understanding that this quarter would be, um, qualify, like would would be eligible for reduction down to 20 miles per hour under that, like under the existing part, not the part that goes into effect uh, at the end of this year. Um, and I do know, I was looking at some research from Kittleson uh, last year about yield rates at unsignalized crosswalks and the way that they really drop off past 25 miles per hour. Like you get a very, like, at, at 20 miles an hour, you get like 90%, at 30 miles an hour, you get 10%. And so um, really, if we can, whatever degree we can control our speeds here, um, speed limit being part of that, design ups being another part of that, I think that um, the yield rates of these unsignalized crosswalks, um, we, we'd see that increase. That's a great point. So AB 43, which um, comes into full effect uh, July 1st of next year, does have some provisions for things like business activity districts and areas like that if the city uh, defines it and it meets the uh, criteria. So it is um, that certainly can be part of this plan. Warren, it's going to be part of the uh, local road safety plan as a action for the city uh, to consider. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, just just something to keep this in mind because I, I think under those criteria this would would be considered a business activity district. Uh, yep. uh, and lastly, um, really appreciate the work on the Easter Bee merge. I ride that very frequently, and I kind of have to hold onto my butt every time. So uh, <laughs> nice, like very excited to see that move forward. So just um, echoing the props from the other other commissioners on that. Thanks, Warren. Yep, that's great. And just on the AB 43, 20 mile per hour speed limit, Matthew Hartzell from WTB TAM looked at that kind of the line by line and showed us that it does qualify. I think I have a draft ordinance somewhere in my Google Drive. So that, that could be a good one to tack on as we're thinking about those changes. Thanks. One more quick thought outside the box. <clears throat> it, is there any way we could, if we bundled the acquisition of that 
lot five parking spaces with the project, you could use grant money to complete that acquisition. It might make it move a little faster. If it was replacing parking that was being taken up by a bike lane, we needed to put those parking spaces elsewhere. Perhaps those grant funds could facilitate that. You know, it would have, it would depend upon how the grant is written. Usually we see grants that are geared towards bicycle or safety improvements and not necessarily parking. Mm -hmm. So we could look into it, but in general, our grants are not our grants, the grants are generally geared towards something different than um, local parking issues. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But I mean, you could tie it into bike lane goes where parking is and we find parking elsewhere, but yeah. yeah. Well, and I think to that, like the community acceptance when we talk about Sausalito not wanting to lose parking, that's actually more, it, it's less about the grant money and more about like the reception of. Yes, of absolutely. And it doesn't cost the citizens any money. Yeah. You know? yeah. Is that is that the cruising club then that owns that parking lot and that or is that even no, oh Bridgeway Marina okay. yeah it's it's separate. Want to do a quick check for public comment, which yes. I think would be That'd Mr. Be Carroll, great. Commissioner Carroll, Councilmember Carroll. I do not see any hand raised or anybody in the audience that might want to make an additional comment at this point. Oh, here we go, Kevin. Are you there? I have laryngitis. Can't talk. Can't talk. Okay, no worries, Kevin. <laughs> uh, seeing no public comment, shall we? Oh, Mr. Seeler, come on up. Oh, no, I don't know. Not with you. <laughs> uh, Patrick Seiler from WTBTM. I actually had a question for Dave and Kevin, and then a couple of observations. So you're saying that there's 22 spaces that would be removed on Bridgeway if you put the class four in with the sidewalk. I'll turn to Jen. Jen, if you could look that up. I thought it was 55. There's 55 total spaces. Yeah, so it would be 26 spaces that would be removed. And that's with the class four. That's not because of the the new law because of the shortening or the, uh, the better uh, line of sight, right? So, and I guess my other question right. was on the, you said there would be, you'd be able to add eight spaces back if you put the roundabout in. Yes. So. Well, so what's your math? All right. <laughs> of the ones that would get removed between Easterby and Napa. Uh, so, so does that merge? Is, yeah, if you see the blue, see all the blue cars there, that's how many would, that's how many spaces would remain. Anything to the left of that number 26 or about yeah. down there would be removed. With a roundabout here, right? You reconfigure this entire stretch to get the parking spaces back. About to about to about. So is it? I mean, there's, you know, just using math, is that so 22 minus eight, so 14, if you did both those things? Um, your math is a lot right. faster than mine. We, there'd be what's 26, four, eight added back, so 14. 14, okay. With the roundabout, yeah. And um, then the, what I wanted to remind the, the BPAC about, and, you know, uh, People for Bikes, which I sit on the board of directors of, 
uh, has done a lot of studies about parking. And, you know, I know everybody's got a constitutional right to a parking. Oh, no, wait, they don't. They don't have a constitutional right to that. Um, I'm sorry. There is, no, <laughs> there is no constitutional right to a parking space. Um, in fact, it's a, the public deciding it's a good thing. It's good for the public. But what we found when we did the studies was that people on bikes actually spend more money at the stores than people that park their cars. And so what I would look at it as is not necessarily like we're removing parking, but we're, we're doing is we're adding multimodality and, and we're providing safety for the pedestrians, safety for the cyclists, safety for the people in the, in the cars that are hitting the pedestrians and cyclists. And we're probably increasing the ability for people to spend money with the merchants. So don't look at it as a zero sum game. Look at it as an additive game. And there's a lot of good information, a lot of good facts that are out there. And of course, everybody wants to be able to drive their car up and park right in front of where they want to go. We, you know, I want that. But um, but if we make it for cyclists, we make it for pedestrians, we can make it safe for everybody. So please keep that in mind as you move forward, evaluating the alternatives. Thank you. Three minutes. He knows the clock. Thank you. All right. Any other public comment? I, do, I don't see any at this point. Shall I move on to the other project update items, Kevin? Yes. Just want to thank Jen and David for your excellent presentation. Thank you. Um, our next step with this project is to take this presentation and bring it to council and make sure that, that we can move forward with our next phase, which I'm going to be recommending. I think it's, um, do we call it phase two at a minimum? Trying to move forward with that um, in order to get this project going. So that's my intent at this point, and we'll see where it goes from there. As, uh, as this does come up, uh, it might be good to have your committee present at one of those meetings so that council understands that this is important and you've seen it before. Yeah, let us know. We will be very excited for that. All right. Yeah, we'll be there. Many, many thanks, Jen. Many thanks, David. Good job. All right. I have a short PowerPoint presentation to help me through the next couple slides on um, active projects. Oh, it, there it is. Well, hold on, I gotta share my screen. Sorry about that. Always something. All right, now we can see the screen. Let's see if I've got a cursor here. There we go. Okay, we've got a couple projects that were on the list. We all okay? Thanks, Megan. And uh, the first one on the list is Coloma Street and a project update on Coloma Street. So this is a project that was originally funded by Safe Routes to School in order to put a sidewalk adjacent to the MLK field, which you see there in the picture and it looks all dirt, but it's green now. So it doesn't look like that today. Um, and that Safe Routes to School, we have utilized a consultant, BKF Engineering, to design the sidewalk, but we also received some communication from folks in the community that wanted the sidewalk extended all the way up to Olima, which is over on this far side, which is on the left side of your screen. We have modified the design contract to extend that sidewalk all the way up. And we are currently in the phase of finalizing that design. There are a couple things that are key. One is understanding where the drainage goes. We have some drainage pipes underneath here. Mr. Parisi and his group helped us with the original application for safe routes to school. So many thanks. Um, just to kind of update folks, and I want to keep my eye on the clock. 
Uh, the drainage systems closer to Bridgeway, they split into two, and we need to do some investigation associated with the condition of that drainage system. So we'll probably televise these lines and work with our consultant to either design a fix, or we may take this out separately and just fix these pipe systems if there are problems. We also have a few more steps, which there is a um, sanitary line, which was going to run underneath the new sidewalk. We have a group here in Sausalito called Sausalito Beautiful, and they like putting trees all sorts of different places and landscaping, bless their heart. In this case, uh, putting trees on top of a sanitary line is not recommended. And so we need to discuss this with them. And we're hoping that we can come up with a, uh, a solution such as putting in uh, lower shrubs and other things that will provide that beauty for Sausalito and not have the root intrusion into the sanitary system. This project does not have funding for construction. Well, it kind of does. It has money from the safe routes to school, but it doesn't have enough to cover the entire project. This, this street needs to be resurfaced as well. So adding that together, we probably need close to uh, about 650,000 for construction. We have some of that from the 400,000 uh, of the safe routes to school, but we will still need additional funding. So again, we're looking for grant funding to help support this. It's a good project because it's adjacent to a school and it adds additional um, uh, access to the school and the kids and everything else. We heard from TAM recently that they have uh, some funding coming through that may help us. And so we are intending to apply for additional funding through TAM and to see if we can get some money for this specific project. The last at our Marin County Public Works Association, they were anticipating breaking funding up to different communities, um, starting with about $100,000 up to almost $500,000. So we're hoping to apply for the $500,000 so that we can get a fully completed project. Regardless, we're still working forward with this particular project. Um, it's hot on our list. We definitely want to get it going. And we've had some folks who live at the end of Olima in Rotary Manor, I think it's called over there, or Rotary. And they're anxious to get this project going as well to provide that sidewalk that goes from Olima down to the school. And I think it's a pretty important area, as one of our members has mentioned earlier today. <laughs> All right. The Bridgeway Waterfront. Can I ask a question on that? Or Go ahead. Wait. Is is that a phased approach one or that's a, a complete project in one? Like you wouldn't do the resurfacing and some striping and then the sidewalk. We would prefer to do it all at once. Now, will that work out? We'll wait and find out. Um, to be honest, if we simply don't have enough money to do the full resurfacing, we could do some patch paving out here and a micro seal across the top hoping that the roadway would last longer. That will reduce the cost from 650, probably down to the 550 range, somewhere in there. And I think that we could probably make that happen. Thanks for the update on this one, Kevin. Um, sewer district, I think that budget is a little bit better than the cities generally. Like would that, could that contribute funds for towards construction? Yes, if we replace that system. And so we're looking into okay, that. Okay, so but well. like that current plan was replacing that system. No, we're looking oh, at the drainage system, not drainage. the sanitary line. Okay. But you know what? I think our our sanitary line through this area in one section isn't too great. So we could we could try to pull something okay. out. Of um, and then I'd be happy to bring this up. I know Andy Davidson is also usually there, but at the next safe routes to school to see if 
there's any other funding coming of, yeah, we can bring this to reality with a, a few more dollars. I think it, it's at least worth testing that premise. Let's let's do it. That sounds good. It's a nice project. It needs to be done. And probably just last question on that, a, a decision timing for like, yes, we have funding to do X amount versus no, we're just going to go forward with something. Timing on that decision. Let's finish the plan up first, get an engineer's estimate on the different pieces. Right now, I'm just um, throwing numbers on a sheet, guessing on the resurfacing itself. But as soon as the consultant finishes up their evaluation of the drainage system and like you mentioned, maybe the sanitary system as well, we should get a better idea of what ballpark we're in. And then we can make that decision or at least bring it to council to say, this is what we're recommending at this point in time. Um, I, my opinion is, look, at that decision point, if we don't have enough funding, let's move forward with the sidewalk at a minimum and do the best we can with our roadway. So that would be my recommendation if that comes up. Thank you. All right. The Bridgeway bike lane project that goes from Princess to uh, Richardson. We've been going around a bit with our representative at ABAG. The description, the project description has changed slightly. If you recall, this was brought forward with the grant funding so that we put in a class four bike path. We had a lot of public, uh, not outreach, but uh, complaints about this project. And so we worked with our folks at ABAG to change the scope of the project so that it is basically a feasibility assessment instead of an actual design. So we're gonna take a look at different alternatives. Parametrics is the one who is doing that work at this point in time. And um, so we'll work forward with that. We've had a lot of pushback on this project, not just from the public, but from our emergency services as well. So we have a bit of issues with this. What I'd like to look at is look at additional funding in the future. And that relates to different categories of funding, such as sea level rise. I'd like to take a look at considering taking the sidewalk and pushing it out towards the bay and making something that rises up so that we don't have wave runoff over this particular section. I think in 2001 or, two, or excuse me, 2021, 2022, we have some video of high surf coming right over the roadway and washing onto the roadway itself. So with sea level rise, we may see this more and more. So I'd like to take a look at approaching this, this uh, project in the future and looking at kind of solutions that are outside the box. Right, Any questions? <laughs> this one's simple, so we just move on. Um, <laughs> question is, is there any city council actions required? Like, are we kind of moving or are we moving towards starting this without any additional city council? Movement? You know, that's a good question. Right now, it depends upon our representative from ABAG. We push this back on them saying that the changes to Exhibit B, which is the project scope, shouldn't require an, a change to the original agreement. And they are commenting on that. They will have to research with their legal counsel to say yes or no. If they say we need a, an amendment to the agreement, we'll have to bring it to council and that'll raise a pretty big flag. But I'm hoping that it won't because it's the same character of work. Okay. And on the emergency services topic, I know I've you know, referenced some of the videos actually from this room where uh, police was weighing in saying they didn't see an issue. Um, so we, we kind of have records on both sides. For that topic, um, I know Mr. Preci maybe has already had some meetings with the city, but I could see that being a great feature 
agenda item just because the art of the possible in terms of what bike facilities look like, uh, there's a lot of options and they don't necessarily preclude emergency vehicle access. They might even enhance it. So that could be a, a good topic. Yeah, definitely a good topic. All right. The ferry lands. Can I, can I, Kevin, can I jump in on the last question? Thank you. Um, Who would that sorry, be? just, is that this, is, this is Warren. Yeah. Sorry. Um, just to understand that last point, you were saying that the ABAG representatives may determine whether or not an amendment has to happen. Is it just, just that what I understood was that their, for my conversations with ABAG was that they need the money that they are spending on this prime check to $67,000 or whatever to be um, evaluating alternatives that are consistent with the Bay Trail guidelines. And they had, they had a concern that the original scope didn't have that in there. And so I guess my, what I had to understand was that they needed to know from you whether to change that required the, the, the item to go back to council or whether you can just change the scope so that they're happy with that. Is that, is that a correct understanding? My understanding is that our ABAG representatives were concerned that whatever that we come up with, our consultant comes up with, has to comply with ABAG standards. And that's what we're shooting for at this point. Does that yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that is my understanding. And, and that should just, like, to, to fix that in the scope with Parisian parametrics shouldn't necessarily require another round of counsel. It just, you know, is that correct? I think that was just getting to Kieran's question. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Thank you. Sorry, one quick one. Does does the designation of a feasibility study mean that we won't be able to get any designs at all? We will get a preliminary design, which lays out kind of the geometry of what can and can't be done. Okay, great. We won't be getting into detailed designs of, um, you know, how high the curb is, even though we can basically figure that out. Yeah. But no detailed designs. Great. Yeah. Excited to see this move forward. All right, let's, I'll move fairly quickly because we're almost out of time here. The city is moving forward with the Ferry Landside Improvement Project. And I wanted to, thank you, David. Have a good night. Um, I wanted to update this commission on what's happening. So um, this is the current design that is, is going to be presented to the, uh, I'll back up even further. <laughs> so, this project has been going on since 2017. And we've been working with a group of local professionals in order to design the project. They came up with the design and we developed the, our consultant developed the full details for it. And we brought it to the planning commission. The planning commission changed it and they want something a little bit different. So I'm gonna walk through this ever so slightly. I have more slides for you. So let's not concentrate on this one right away. This is the original plan. And the original plan included um, a wider sidewalk towards the east side of parking lot one and an expansion to the plaza area itself. If you recall, the intent of this project is to improve access to the ferry and to have patrons of the ferry have a wider plaza, something more welcoming to them because right now it's awfully crowded in this area. So this plan that you see in front of you was developed by the local professionals group and it included bicycle queuing, and I'll back up a bit again. It included people who are accessing the ferry with their bicycle would access from the, the east side of parking lot one. 
and those who are just accessing on foot would congregate in the plaza and access on this side. It would split the flows, and that would be less conflict points between pedestrians and those boarding the ferry with their bike. This is kind of illustrated with a few of the lines on the drawing here, where the blue is those boarding the ferry with their bike are on this side, and other patrons go through the plaza to access the ferry itself. Pretty good design because it, it splits the flows and it adds more space. The some of this was presented to the planning commission on July 26th. They changed the plan because they didn't like the fact that those who are boarding the ferry with their bicycle would cross in front of the Sausalito Yacht Club entrance. And they felt that folks who are crossing here would block the entrance. So they changed it so that you would have both those boarding with their bicycle and pedestrians boarding the ferry all from the plaza area. The Planning Commission also recommended closing Tracy Way permanently and having this a permanent bicycle uh, staging area. Uh, this adds a bit of conflict points as far as pedestrians and bicycles. The green lines show bicycles boarding the ferry and then some of the other lines indicate those exiting and those going to the ferry itself. So there are more conflict points with this particular plan. The plaza area is reduced in size ever so slightly. And then the Golden Gate Bridge Highway Transportation District observed that a lot of folks getting off of a bus off of this side, not a bus or some buses, would walk straight through the parking lot. And Golden Gate insisted on putting some type of, excuse me, a uh, sidewalk on the east side of the parking lot. All right, so that is the highlight of, here's some more signs that we have to put on the ground itself, pavement markers to indicate where people need to go. Um, a lot more conflict points with this particular plan. Here's an illustration of both plans. The blue lines are the original plan, and then the darker lines are the, are the change plan by the Planning Commission. You can see the plaza is a little bit smaller, and obviously there's no access towards Gabrielson Park or no changes to the access. Right now it's just a four foot sidewalk. Um, the next step for this is we have received an appeal from the local, some local folks who appealed this project. Now this needs to be brought to the council. The council has not decided on a date yet in which to hear this item. When it does, when the council decides what time to, to uh, hear this item, we will show both options and uh, see what the council has to say. This was actually brought to council in March of last year, and they agreed to the, the, uh, the original plan, which is the blue lines here. It's just that the PC uh, Planning Commission didn't like the changes in front of the Yacht Club itself. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention, that there are changes afoot in the downtown area. This takes a lot of my time, by the way. This one particular project, which is just a hardscape project, it takes probably 65% of my time every day. All right, um, that's it for our updates. Before we move on to future items, are there any comments from the committee or comments from the public? Nope, okay. Let's go back to sharing my screen. I wanted to bring up a couple future agenda items. 
Come on, you. All right. Now we have quite a few active projects. And since this is the Bicycle Pedestrian Advisory Committee, we may want to talk about pathways and stairs in the future. We have the Capital Improvement Program coming up in January and February, where we'll need to start discussing these things. A couple other projects on the list, some of them you've heard about tonight. Funding acquisitions are needed for the Easterby signal. We found that getting funding for signals is rather difficult, and ours are very old. We have nine signals in town, and they're, they're not as old as I am, but they're, they're close, put it that way. <laughs> um, we have a street resurfacing project, and we've brought this to council in the last couple meetings, suggesting that the city apply more funding to resurfacing. This can have an impact on bicycles as well as pedestrians, because depending upon where we want to apply that funding, we could put it into, let's say, Bridgeway, going from Napa to, uh, to uh, Johnson Street. And that adds to the funding for the projects that you just heard from Parametrics, which would be great, moves things along quicker. Or uh, resurfacing could go into Coloma Street as well. So if the council does allocate more funding for resurfacing, we might want to keep an eye on this. Or if there are other roads that need to have uh, the type of resurfacing, such as micro sealing, where it brings out that striping. In downtown, I'm noticing more and more the striping is fading. Maybe we want to apply that in areas where you can actually bring that striping up and make it more apparent. So something that this committee might want to talk about in the future of, hey, if you get micro seal funding, where do you want to apply it? And then there are some other efforts going on for the downtown parking uh, planning. Uh, it's a downtown kind of visioning planning issue. We, as this develops through a local architect, SWA, we might want to bring it to this committee and talk about it. And then lastly, for future discussion items, um, bicycle pedestrian master plan. We haven't had a master plan update in more than five years. Traditionally, it's around five years that we'd want to update things. I don't think that our, our master plan has changed much, but it might be time to revisit it. And that goes along with the North-South Greenway and connectivity issues. And I mentioned that earlier that we might want to talk about how do we make that connection for bicycles and pedestrians that go from Harbor to Napa Street. That's a, a difficult area because on the east side, those are not city streets. They are um, the Corps of Engineers streets. They are others. Uh, we don't maintain them or manage them. That doesn't mean we can't work with those folks in order to have a fully functioning bike path in that area. So again, just wanted to bring future topics to you. We don't have to decide on any of these today, but these are just fuel for thought. Okay. Awesome. This is a great list. Uh, I could imagine one maybe connected with Greenway or funding acquisition sort of based around the discussion tonight of like, how do we want to structure grant proposals, maybe singular, maybe plural, but would love, I think that's a good topic for partnership and strategy. Um, the other one would be, there was some discussion tonight around a vision zero statement, or there was another acronym I didn't catch, but you know, just ensuring that we have that in place. And if not, is there anything we can do to help that along? Yes. Good, good catch. I'm sorry. I didn't mention it on my list. But um, Parametrics is helping Transportation Authority of Marin to develop that for Marin County and all jurisdictions. We would have to bring it back to our city council and have them approve it. It would be a good thing to bring to your committee as well first up. Um, however, if there's a, 
a push to try to get it to council sooner rather than later. We may end up doing that and then communicating with you via email to say, hey, we're going to do it this way. Yeah, certainly. We don't want to slow it down just if, if we need to help speed it up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, that's all I have for future agenda items, unless uh, we would like to discuss any more or... Any public comment on future agenda items? Seeing none tonight. I think that makes us ready to adjourn. We are. Uh, city staff, thank you. Our WTB TAM, Warren, members of the public, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank Many you, everybody. So thank first you meeting in 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 face to face. So this went great. Thank you very much. It's been a minute. Thank you all. All right, media adjourned. Thank you so much.